let me uh, uh, just say right off, we've learned an awful lot about uh, being a Christ follower and such. But let me share with you again what this is I'm trying to accomplish, okay? I usually do this kind of work in a group of 12 to 16, sometimes as many as 20 people. And we spread that over about a year, sometimes as long as 15 months. Uh, and during that time, because it's in a small group, I would say, okay, Tony, how's this much small group going with you? How's your prayer time? Tell, you know, we hold one another accountable. And you bring reports back and all the rest of those things. Well, we can't do that in a large group of just leave under 100. And so there's a lot of dynamics that I'm kind of changing as we go. Because what I'm doing is actually giving you information, giving you the tools that you and Holy Spirit will use and let him do the holding accountable part uh, in the process as you grow. So just to give you an idea there. Uh, we've, we've learned that everything begins, if you just draw a little circle in your mind, everything begins with abiding in Christ. And remember we learned what that, that means. To abide means to get our life's essence from a relationship, from someone or something. It's, it's the, going back to Jesus using the analogy of the, the vine and the branches, that, that he is the vine and we're the branches. So you and I, our focus, our concentration must always be in that abiding, that relationship with God that gives us life, all right? And now last week we, we learned a bit more about what it means to be in Christ and Christ to be in us. And I hope you took time to go through some of those verses and ferret out some of those truths. And not just to explode your mind with more information, but to where you can really realize that becomes your identity. This is now who you are, not who you used to be. Sometimes we get locked into who we used to be and, and we're blinded to now who we are. And so understanding who we are in Christ and how Christ is in us is the key of understanding abiding. But tonight, I would just ask you, if we were in a small group, how's your abiding going? Uh, how's it going with you to get up every morning and spend some time with the Lord and digging into His Word, letting His Word speak to your heart and you speak back to Him? And remember, there's two questions that we're answering every time. You know, what has God said to me? Now, what do I say back to God? And we write that down in our journaling. And this is just the beginning of good practice of spending that quiet time with the Lord. Well, tonight I'm going to expand this a little further, okay? Still using the abiding, but go to John chapter 8 tonight. John chapter 8, we're going to read two verses, verses 31 and 32. And the same principle about abiding is right here as well, okay? Now, let's, let's look at that. <clears throat> uh, Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. Now let me pause a minute. Many of the Jews believed in Jesus. They embraced uh, his teachings. And many of them later uh, became Christians themselves. So this, this was not unusual. But he spoke this to many of the Jews who believed in him. He said, if you abide in my word. Now there's that word abide again. But rather than him saying abide in me, he says, if you abide in my word. You are my disciples indeed. Here is a, uh, hello, I went in the dark. <laughs> Here is a barometer of us being a Christ follower, really following him. He said, you are my disciples indeed. When you're abiding, when you're drawing your life's essence, when your life is coming out of my word. 
He said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, you, you hear that last, last few words an awful lot. They've been in all kinds of different uh, uh, movies, and they've been in speeches and all the rest of that. People just don't do the first verses to go along with that. <laughs> to be set free is to know the truth, and you know the truth by abiding in my word. So let, let's not go quoting the end of that. Let's quote it all the way through to where we'll understand. And I want you to put this to memory. I want you to meditate on it and memorize it. The next few times we're going to be together, this is going to be a focal verse. So you're going to hear it over and over again as we go. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I ask you tonight to do what only you can do. Soften our hearts to receive your word and then apply that word to our lives. We ask you in Christ's name. Amen. So, the same word abide, okay, the little word, it's, it's pronounced meno in, uh, in the, the Greek, and it means to draw our life's essence right here. So here he's taking that same word, and he says, I want you to draw your life's essence. I want you to, to, to draw relationally from my word. We're going to understand why that's so important there. Here's how this works. You say, how, how do I... How do I have a, a life-giving relationship with you know, black and red ink on white pages? How does that happen? Well, here it is. As we read, study, meditate on, memorize, and apply God's Word to our lives, we grow to learn about Christ better. He literally reveals Himself to us. He draws back the curtain of who He is in His Word. And we in, literally get to interact with Jesus Christ here. You and I get to know and experience the real, sure enough, eternal Son of God through His Word. And we're going to see more uh, the next two times we, we look at why that is so very, very true. We get to know Him. Don't miss this. It's vital. It's crucial. It's essential. I don't know any other words to put. You really grow to know Christ by being in His Word. Now you say, well, Brother Fred, yeah, that's not really brilliant. I learned that in Sunday school as a kid. I hope you did. And I'm sure you've been practicing it now for 50 plus years, right? Probably not. This is, again, where we need to be reminded of things so very often. And here's what I want you to know. You can wear a verse out you could have mined it as deep as you think you can ever go and turn around and the Holy Spirit's going to show you something you never saw in that. It, it, because, you know why? It's alive. The Word of God is alive. It's, it's living. And as a living being, we're going to learn more about that as we go, it's constantly able to make its way into our hearts and lives in a way that's unique for that particular moment. I, I, I just say again, we get to experience the sure enough, real, eternal Son of God as we dig into His Word. The way to maximize Christ in you and understand how Christ wants to live through you is to dig into His Word. And this, this takes discipline. It, and that's why that's called discipleship. It's built off the word for discipline. 
you learn certain disciplines. And one of those disciplines that we're moving into now, we are learning who we are, abide in Christ. But how we do that? We live in a vital life-giving union with his word. His word is opened to us. So he says, if you abide in my word, then you are genuinely my disciples. You are Christ followers. This is what marks you. This is who you are. And you get to draw life's essence and power and meaning and direction out of that word. You see, the word of God is food for you. It's food for me. You know that a child cannot grow if it's not properly nourished. Okay? It's essential that a child from the time they're itty-bitty babies, right on in their growing-up years, and Lord, they get to be teenagers and they eat you out of home. But, you know, it's essential for them to be nourished. They have to have food in order to survive. You and I have to have food spiritually if we're going to grow. And that food literally is the Word of God. So how do you take in food? Well, you, you, bite, you bite into it, you chew on it, you swallow it, you ingest it, and once it gets into your system, your body knows what to do with it. It converts it to energy and all the kind of things it needs to do. The same is true spiritually. You have to, to bite into the Word of God. How do you bite into the Word of God? You read it. You read it, and you read it for yourself. You don't take somebody else's word for it, you read it yourself. And so you bite into the word as you read it. How do I chew the word? Well, that's where you meditate on it. You think about it. You compare scripture to scripture. You commit it to memory. This is how you really chew into it. How is it that you swallow the word of God? You apply it. You obey it. You do what the word says. And then as you do that, as you read it and meditate on it and memorize it and apply it, then it begins to nourish you in a spiritual way that you didn't even know was possible. But this is living in that life-giving union. Now, what happens to a child when they're deprived of food? Well, they're malnourished. They're malnourished. As I worked as a paramedic for uh, uh, five years down in Hall County, uh, many of the times, some of the places that we have to go to uh, gave a new whole definition to poverty. Okay? And sometimes we'd find children in these homes who were eating paint chips, cardboard, bugs. And you say, well, I mean, that's, just, that's just not reasonable. Listen, when you're hungry, you'll eat whatever's available. And you may think it's nourishing you when it's actually killing you, which was the case with some of those children, especially when they were eating lead-based paint and eating bugs that had been sprayed with, with insecticide. And some of those children were deeply, deeply sick. They were malnourished, but they were eating whatever they could get their hands on. Listen to me. What is true for a child is true for a spiritual child. If you're not learning how to be nourished on the Word of God. You're going to be malnourished, you're going to be hungry, and you're going to eat whatever spiritual junk is thrown out there, and you may think it's nourishing you while it's killing you. There is a lot of junk food, spiritual junk food available today. There always has been, but even more today in the advent of these things and computers. I mean, there. 
I always try to talk to my small group leaders, my deacons, my teachers, whatever they are, and say, look, before you go off referencing somebody on the Internet or suggesting a book or whatever the case may be, let's talk about that. Because there's some serious garbage out there that promises nourishment, but it's really killing folks. And you know who are most susceptible? The new believers in Christ and those who've never really got to growing in faith. Because, you see, they've never learned to feast off the Word of God. They've never learned to bite into it by reading it, chew on it by meditating and, and uh, memorizing it, and then swallowing it by applying it and obeying it. And so they eat whatever spiritual junk food is offered, and it is a real problem. But the Word of God is the answer to that hunger. Turn with me to this passage, 1 Peter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why are you turning there? Let me get a sip of water. 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you will, find verse 2 for me. <clears throat> it says, as newborn babes, he's talking to us, I want you to be like newborn babes, desire, hunger, long for the pure milk of the word. Because as you do that, as you receive that, you will grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter is saying, look, especially when you're a brand new believer or you're, you're, you're new to a spiritual growth, you're just starting on being a, a, a Christ follower, more than any other time, you need the Word. So just approach it like a newborn baby, hunger for it, long for it. Thirst. Have the kid ever had to tell you that they're hungry? <laughs> I mean, the newborn baby will tell you when they're hungry. He said, I want that desire in you. I want that hunger in you that will only really be satisfied as you dig into my word. Now, why is that so essential? I'm going to get into more of this later, but I'm just going to give you a teaser right now. It's not so much that you and I are reading words. You and I are invited to read the word. And the Word is not a fact. The Word is not a thing. The Word is a person. Jesus said, I am the Word. I am the bread of life. And when you feast on my words, when you ingest my words, when you apply my words, they're going to nourish you just like bread nourishes your body. And so here's what I want you to know. When you encounter the Scriptures, you are encountering Jesus Christ. This is the written Word, but He is the living Word. And you can't, you, you can't put a divider between those. So when you encounter the Scriptures, you're encountering Jesus. And this is why, is why I've told you this several times. I'll tell you it again. Understand, when you get up to have your quiet time with the Lord, you are not just checking off something that you've done during the course of the day. You're, you're not just reading words. You're saying, God, I want to experience you. I, I want to come alongside you and for you to nourish me in this life-giving relationship that we have because you're the living bread. Now, let me tell you something. I know the word memorize is an ugly word, Okay? But you and I memorize a whole lot of stuff we don't even realize, okay? We can memorize whatever we put our mind to memorize. 
But when you memorize the word, you put it in your head. When you apply or obey the word, you put it in your heart. When you put it in your head and put it in your heart, it's always there for Holy Spirit to reach and grab at any moment. And we're going to go back over that in just a little bit. So, okay, how do we do this? How do I feed on the Word of God? A little bit of review. I shared this several weeks ago, but for some of you might not have been there. Let me just tell you how to have that quiet time in the morning. Just a few things that will help guarantee your success. Okay? First of all, you've got to get ready the night before. You've got to get ready the night before. Okay? So, so tonight, before you go to bed, get ready. How do I get ready? You select a time that you're going to get up. And you set your clock or your smart device or whatever it is. Do not hit the snooze. Okay? Get up when it goes off. All right, and then select ahead of time a place where you're gonna where you're gonna go, and have everything you need there. So tonight, put your Bible there, uh, put your followology notebook there. Uh, if you've got devotional material, put it there. If it's a commentary, put it there. Just just have it set up and ready, just like you know. When our kids were, were young, uh, especially in the wintertime, we used wood, uh, wood insert for heat. And so we laid out their clothes in front of the fireplace. And so the next morning, I'd get up and stoke the fire. It'd be good and warm. Their clothes would be warm. They'd come rumming from the bedroom, you know, and want to put on them warm clothes and get ready. Well, we, we prepared the night before. So prepare. Get everything ready. And then set the alarm. Get up. And then you, you need to... Whatever works for you. If you need a cup of coffee, brew the coffee. If you need to wash your face, wash your face. If you need to go ahead and wash all over, wash all over. Whatever it takes to help get you awake and and to where you're engaged in that. Do that part of the, the routine. And then once you've done that and sat down there, God, I'm not here. So that Brother Fred asked me if I had a quiet time that I can say yes and not lie to him. I'm here to meet you. I'm, I'm here to draw strength from you. And so then focus on meeting the person. And then, then ask him to just reveal himself to you in your quiet time. So now I want to give you something. This was in the, the written out uh, printed notes, but I'm going to let you write it down if, in your um, notebooks if you, if you didn't pick up one of those on the way in. Every passage of Scripture is going to answer one of these five things I'm going to give you. Uh, The acronym is SPEC, S-P-E-C-K. So write that down this way in your your notes, S-P-E-C-K, all right? After you've read a passage, ask yourself these five questions, okay? The S is for sin. Is there a sin that I need to either avoid or confess? See, some passages are going to put their finger right on something that goes to our heart. So the S is, is there a sin that I need to either avoid or I need to confess and repent of? That's the S. The P is for promise. Is there a promise that I need to claim for my life? So much of the Bible is is, is promises for us. You know, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I don't know how many times I've grabbed, up, grabbed on that with both hands and both feet. 
is it a promise that I need to claim and hold on to? The E, is this an example? And this may be an example you need to follow or an example you need to avoid. But is there an example here that the Lord's giving me out? Now, there's a lot of them in there that you can follow, but some of them are those that are there, so you don't want to do this. <laughs> and that, that may be a passage that you're reading, okay? I'm in 2 Samuel right now, and I'm reading about how David just totally messed up in fathering uh, his, his uh, kids and how there was all this kind of sin that came back to haunt him. Well, that, he's a positive example in some ways. He was a man after God's own heart. But he was a negative example in some ways. So the is, for example. Okay, the C. Is there a command that I need to obey? Is there a command that I need to obey. Some, some are, are, are very clear. He says, have no other God before me. So I have to ask, okay, have I got any God between me and you? Have I any idol in my life right now? So C, is there a command that I need to obey? And finally, the K is for knowledge. Is there knowledge I need to gain or maybe share? You know, have you ever found that time you're reading in the scriptures and, and you read a verse or a phrase or something like that and bam, somebody's name or face comes to your mind? That very well may be Holy Spirit. I'm not going to guarantee it is. <laughs> but that may be Holy Spirit saying, this is something that person would benefit from. You need to take that to them or pray that word over them, or whatever the case may be. So knowledge. There's a lot of narrative and history in our, in our Bible, and sometimes it's things we just need to know and to learn, and we may not even you know, need to use it that very moment, but, but God does. He, he knows that. So spec. So you know, write that down. Uh, you got it in your notes right there now, and have that there on your Bible. And as you're reading the Bible, you ask, does this verse, S-P-E-C-K, which one of these does it answer? Or maybe a couple of them. That, that it answers. You, feel free to use a devotional guide as well. Uh, I love the ones that we have here at Ebenezer. Uh, you know, living the word for you. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the next quarter just arrived. So I saw some of you out there picking them up as you came in. Please go by and get one. And if you've got a friend or a neighbor that you can give one to, we always have plenty. So get an extra one if you've got a neighbor that uh, I called Valeria early today. She's not with me usually during the middle of the week. I said, hey, the new devotionals are in. She said, I need 10. I said, honey, 10? She's, I've got this one, and she started naming the names. I said, never mind, I'll bring them home. Don't worry. <laughs> because we, we provide them to give away, to use, and then to give away. Because they, they're such a powerful word. Use devotional literature. Here's the thing. Don't let them separate you from the word. And you see, that what I like about the one that we ordered and come in here, it's grounded in the Word, and it throws you back in the Word. Whereas some of them are just nice little delightful stories, make you feel good for the day. Well, there's a place for those, but that's, that's not for this time we're talking about right here. If you like commentaries to give you the background on a scripture or on a verse or whatever, have that there as well, but have it all ready. So, okay, all right, Brother Fred, tell me again now, why am I doing all this? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Four things, and then we're going to wrap up for the evening. I'm watching my clock right here. Uh, we do this to know God through fellowship with Him and His Word. That's the first reason. We have this time, and we dig into His Word because we get to know Him and literally fellowship with Him in His Word. Remember what I told you Sunday, what fellowship really is? This is when people get together to study and do the Word of God. 
And as you're learning and doing the Word of God, a very unique fellowship happens. Well, that happens between you and Christ when you're in that, that, that quiet devotional time with Him. So the, the reason we do this is, is we, we get to know Him and grow with Him. Uh, you see, wanting and needing to communicate with someone you love. We all have that. Uh, our, our three boys, they're all three in ministry. They've married wonderful girls. They've got great kids. Everybody has their problems. But, you know, whatever. I can go a week or two, maybe without talking to, uh, to one of them, but then I get a hunger and <laughs> I, I, I got to talk to. I gotta, and Michael is the hardest because he's out on the West Coast. That's three hours behind, you know. So I get up in the morning and have my devotional time. Hey, I'd love to talk to Michael about that. Well, it's 4 o'clock in the morning out there. He does not like for me to call him at 4 o'clock in the morning. And so he waits until the evening, like 7 or 8 o'clock, and he calls me, and it's 11 o'clock here. Why are you calling me? You know? So sometimes it's tough. But, you know, you have that longing to talk with, to fellowship with, to communicate with somebody that you love. So remember I told you what the motivation is for followology? It's love. You know, so... That love relationship drives us to want to communicate and to know more about one another, know what's going on in one another's life. Christ has that yearning for us, and we can have that yearning back for Him. Now, it's reciprocal. What that means is that we love Him because He first loved us. So, but out of His great love for us, then we get to reciprocate and return that. And enjoy that love going backwards. I need daily communication with my Lord. We all do. We've got to have that daily communication with the Lord Jesus Christ. I need that with my spouse. Well, we're separated for a few days when I'm down here and, and she's up there. We're on the phone, back and forth with one another, wearing it out. You know, we, we gave up buying minutes a whole long time ago. We've got to get the, the big family plan, you know, the unlimited because we've just got to, if something happens, you know, I've got to tell Valeria about it. If something happens to her, I've got to tell Fred about it. Because somebody that you're in love with, you just, you just want to share everything with them. And that's the relationship that followology fosters in your life. To just, you've got to, and when you are separated from them, there's something that's just not there. It's just, it's, it's just not right. And I want you to feel that hunger and that thirsting as well. But the motivation is love. The more time you're going to spend with the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you're going to fall in love with Him. Second, why do I do this? Well, to receive direction or guidance or inspiration for that particular day. Listen, let me go back again. When you chew on the Word of God by, by reading it, or, or you bite into it by reading it, when you chew on it by studying it, um, meditating on it, memorizing it as you ingest it by obeying uh, and applying it. When, when, you're, when you're doing this, you're hiding this in your head and in your heart in a way that God can pull it out anytime He wants to. I can't tell you how important that is. Can I tell you one of the first lessons I learned as a believer? I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm brand new now. I didn't have any background in church. I, had n I knew nothing about the Bible. But when I was saved, my pastor came and set me down. He gave me a little Gideon New Testament. And in the front of it, he said, turn to page so-and-so. And that was John 3.16. He went all the way through there. And then in the back, there was a prayer already. 
But he said, let that be your study Bible. I said, okay. So that was on a Sunday. Well, he said, I want you back here Wednesday night because the teenagers are starting a Bible study. I said, yes, sir. So they were doing a Bible study in Romans. And they were going to be memorizing key verses in Romans. So I brought my brand new little green Bible with me. And, and I thumbed and thumbed and I finally found Romans. And I opened it up to chapter 1. And, and there we were. And with the first verse we were going to memorize is Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Paul and Apostle Lord Jesus Christ separated into the gospel of God. And so, you know, I just, I just studied on that. That was just so, so very, very cool to me, you know. And so, you know, I had it in my pocket. Well, the next day, I, I go, to, go to school. Now, remember, I ran with a rough crowd. And one of the things that we would do, we'd carry our cigarettes right here in our pocket. And I always had a pack of Winstons there. And so if somebody wanted to bum a cigarette off by me, they'd come and flip the bottom of my pocket and grab the box and, you know, take, their, take one out. Well, George came up, he said, hey, Fred, how you doing? Popped my, my, my pocket, and he reached and he grabbed a Bible. Like to scared the bejeebers out of him, okay? And he said, what's this? Where's your smokes? I said, I'm not smoking anymore, George. He says, well, what's this? I said, well, I've asked Jesus to come into my heart. He's my, he's my Lord and Savior now. That's all I need to tell him. He said, oh, you done got religion now. I said, well, whatever it is, I've got Jesus in my heart, I know that. He said, well, you got the Bible here. Let's see what it says. And he opened it. And it opened to the only place it's ever been opened, Romans. He says, well, what does it say right here in Romans chapter 1, verse 1? I said, Paul, call him an apostle. Separate to the gospel of God. Bam. Now, if he'd asked me for anything else, I'd have been in trouble. But look, I learned the first week I was saved. <laughs> when you had God's word in your head and in your heart. Anytime the Holy Spirit wants it, he can pull it out. So for any direction that you need or encouragement that you need or protection that you need, whatever it might be, this is a living word and our living spirit of God who dwells within me can reach up into that brain and pull it out. Now, I don't get it memorized exactly all the time. And sometimes I forget the address. <laughs> but stay with it, folks. Stay with it. This is how you chew on and meditate on and memorize. And then when you apply that word, it gets galvanized in your life. It's galvanized. And Holy Spirit's got it there to pull it forth any time and every time that he needs it. And that's what's the key and crucial. So that's the, the second reason. I, I get to fellowship and know God, and then I get to receive direction and guidance and inspiration for my life. The third is this. I get to bring my needs before him. I, I get to bring my needs before him. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this, but I want to get into this in depth a little later. But just suffice it right now to say, this is, is, is an opportunity for me to express my heart to God, whatever it may be. So let's leave that alone for right now. And I'll go to the fourth one, and that's this. This is to bear spiritual fruit. To bear spiritual fruit. What happens when we obey, what happens when we apply the Word of God into our lives that we've learned in our quiet time of getting to know the Lord is spiritual things begin to happen in our lives. Change begins in our lives. Now, it's... Let me be honest with you. There were some things in my life that changed immediately when I was saved. Not many, but there were some things that changed immediately. There, were other, there are other things that the Lord is still bashing me over the head about and, and, and trying to finish changing. Okay? But it, it's a process that as you live in the Word and as you obey the Word, as you apply the Word, 
change begins to happen in our lives. I can tell you, my worldview is radically different than what it used to be because it's coming more in line with God's word worldview. My sense of right and wrong, ethics, morality, has radically changed as I've agreed with the word of God. And he's changed in that level. My want to, you know, we've all got a want to. <laughs> and especially when I was a young believer, there was a lot of want to's that didn't really honor God. God's changed a lot of those want to's. Totally, totally transferred this. What happens is when we dig into the Word and we meet the Lord and that love relationship grows, what He's doing is piece by piece, chip by chip, the Scripture says we're being transformed into the image of God, to the image of Christ. We begin to have the mind of Christ. That means we think as He does about things. We begin to have the heart of Christ. And we see people that are caught up in a network of sin. And rather than judging or say, oh, what horrible, repulsive people, our heart goes out to them that they could be saved. I mean, I, everything about the way we think and look at the world around us is being transformed as we're digging into the Word, especially as you swallow it. And remember what swallowing is, I've already told you. That's when we apply it and obey it. That's, that's really the critical. You know, you can chew on something as long as you want to and spit it out, and you're not going to get that much nourishment out of it. All right? But when you swallow it, it gets into your system. And it goes all over your system. And it does things that you don't even know that it does. That's what happens when the Word of God is internalized within us. So, let me, let me get to this point. Let's say, what does our takeaway for tonight? What, what, do we, what do we need to take away from this? Here's what I want you to guess. Remember one of the first passages you and I went over. I told you this is the backbone of all of being a disciple, all of following Jesus. Luke 9, 23. And then Jesus said to them all, If any man or woman wants to come after me to be a Christ follower, three things. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny himself means that Christ has to be first in my life. I can't be first in my life. I can't constantly be fighting with him about who's going to be in the control. I've got to release that. And as I release that, as, as I deny myself, then I can take up the cross. What is that? I can take up the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ, the morality of Christ, the purpose of Christ. And then when I have that, then I can follow him. And so what, what, what happens as we dig into the word, the takeaway is you're beginning to fulfill what it means to be a Christ follower. You're beginning to experience part of what that, that's like. And the transformation is happening. Uh, so when you read the Word, when you follow the spec, and the Lord shows you something, listen to me very carefully. If you don't have anything else tonight, get these next two words. When you see something in the Word, Holy Spirit reveals something to you. Are you ready? You ready to write this down? Two words. Do it. Do it. Whatever it is, following a command, confessing a sin, claiming a promise, whatever it is, do it. Because that's when you swallow it. That's when you apply it. That's when you obey it. And that's where the growth happens. It always has. It always does. So I, I'm going to end up where I started. And, 
ask, how's it going with you, with your quiet time? How's it going with your learning what it is to abide in Christ? I hope you've taken that list I gave you last week. Uh, if you didn't get one, I think there's more around here somewhere. I'll go run you one off. Uh, all of the list of those things, what's true about me while I'm in Christ, keep on with that. Keep spending time with that. And, and what I basically did, you remember we started last week at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. I asked you to read through that and I asked you what is true of you because, you know, you're in Christ. And there was about 12 things, I think it was there, that, that we could claim. So, what does it mean to you now that you know you're accepted in Christ? That you're chosen in Christ? That you're adopted in Christ? That you're redeemed by Christ? That you are forgiven in Christ? Take the time to meditate on those truths. If you're not ready to get into a particular book of the Bible, take that list of scriptures and wear it out. Just wear it out. Because how do I understand who I am in Christ? I'm digging in the Word. How do I understand what it means for Christ to be living through me? I'm going to learn it from the Word. So there's no substitute. Now, these are fundamentals. I probably haven't told you a whole lot that you didn't at least know on some measure here tonight. But you never outgrow the need to abide in Christ. And part of how we do that is live in His Word. I'm going to show you an illustration, something you're actually going to draw on a piece of paper in a few weeks, that all of a sudden you can say, oh, and it's all going to come together when you see that diagram, but I'm going to wait on that a little bit longer.